Welcome to Ukulele is a New Black. I'm Meredith Harper and I love to play the ukulele. In this podcast, I talk to ukulele players to find out why they play ukulele, what they love about it, and how it's changed their lives. I wanted to play an instrument, because musicians are so cool, and I wanted to be cool, but I found playing an instrument was kind of hard. Phil Dolman is a UK-based professional musician who plays a heap of instruments, including guitar, banjo, and of course, ukulele. I had a chat to him a few weeks ago about his love of old-time jug band, blues and folk music, and he tells me about his journey from playing in a band as a teenager to a career in performance, teaching and book publishing. And of course, he plays a couple of cool songs. Ukulele player, introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Phil Dolman. I'm from the United Kingdom and I'm a professional ukulele player. I would love to be a professional ukulele player. It's a great thing to be. <laughs> Sadly, I it still sounds have a day great. job. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, thanks so much for talking to me. I was actually um, talking to one of my listeners not long ago and she said, oh, you've got to interview Phil Dolman. And I said, who's Phil Dolman? And, and then I, now I've, I've looked around and I think, how did I not hear about Phil Dolman? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, she'll be very pleased to, to know that I have followed her instructions oh, good. And, and got in touch with you. So, so, you're in the UK. Where in the UK are you? I'm right in the middle. So, I'm in Derbyshire. Um, okay. So, a lot of people don't really know where that is, but I'm, I'm north of Birmingham and I'm south of Manchester. I vaguely know where that is. Right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's tell, talk a little bit about your musical history. Um, when did you first start to play music? I started when I was 15-ish. Um, I remember starting bass guitar when I was just shy, I think, of my 15th birthday. Um, and I'm 50 now, so it's been 35 years of playing music and being in bands. And so bass guitar was your first one? Yeah, yeah. And um, how long did you play bass? Well, um, I still play bass and I, I play bass on recordings and sometimes crop up with other people's bands and things like that. Um, but I very quickly moved on to guitar because bass isn't a very good instrument if you're on your own. Um, no. <laughs> so to sit at home just going boom, boom. And so I moved on to guitar. And the day I left school, I bumped into some friends who were a year older than me, um, who were waiting at the gate, who knew me from the music room and things, bands at school. And they said, um, do you want to fill in with our band on guitar? Because our guitarist has gone off travelling. And I said, yeah, sure. And didn't really know what I was doing. And then got to the first rehearsal and realised that he was also the singer. Oh. <laughs> so that's when I started singing because they pushed me to the front and gave me a microphone. <laughs> and that was it. Okay. <laughs> you were given no choice in the matter. Not at all. <laughs> and, and could you sing at the time? I mean, everyone can sing, but did you feel confident doing it? I didn't really know. I'd never really tried. <laughs> um, I hadn't done much before. Um, so I just sort of threw myself into it and probably was fairly terrible. But uh, <laughs> you get carried along by it all and, and you enjoy oh, yourself. You and uh, That's right. And the thing with singing, the more you do it, the better you get. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when did ukulele happen? Oh, much later. So I'd been playing. Um, I, I moved away from Derbyshire. I moved to London 
and then I was all on my own so I got an acoustic guitar and I went and did quite a lot of gigs around uh, around London and then my um, my eldest daughter she was born and I took her along to a, a music group at a, a local library and they were just playing CDs and I said it'd be nice if we could have some live music and they said well bring your guitar and we will and that's when I discovered you can't get a guitar and a push chair and a change uh, bag and all of yeah. the other stuff from my house to the library so yeah. I found a little ukulele in a shop window and I thought perfect that's non-threatening to the kids um, nice little friendly thing and I can stick it under the pushchair and that's when it started and really I then discovered more about the ukulele and started finding you know people like Roy Smeck and um, ukulele Ike and people like that and really got drawn into that music and and that the love affair started there yeah yeah <laughs> So when did you start seeing it, I guess, as a serious instrument and not just a thing to take to the library? Probably took me about six months or so. And I started taking it to gigs so that I'd have another sound. I could put my guitar down for a couple of things and play something on the ukulele. Nobody knew what a ukulele was. Nobody recognised it. People called it all kinds of other things. Because in the UK, the tradition is, um, or was certainly at the time, George Formby. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with that, but um, George Formby was, and still is, I mean, there's a George Formby Society and lots of ukulele players play the banjo ukulele like he did, and it's a, it's, it was always a big thing. But most people's sort of cultural reference for the ukulele was George Formby. But this didn't look like what he played because his was round. Mm. In fact, I would get more comments from my five-string banjo about George Formby than from an actual ukulele because it looked right. And uh, yeah, I, I started to discover a few things on the internet, uh, a few other people that played. And at the time, it was a relatively small online community. And those players would share links of them playing something or a, a piece of tablature or a video. And I very, very quickly realised that it linked in with the music that I loved to play. Um, even though I was playing a lot of my own music at the time, my real love and always had been since my sort of teenage years was... Uh, American early 20th century sort of folk roots music so blues jazz hokum jug band all of that kind of stuff and suddenly I got an instrument that was right at home in the middle of that mm. and threw myself into it and and you mentioned banjo as well so you play a, a, a real banjo as opposed to a, uh, a yeah banjo I, I play two <laughs> I play oh, a two. five string banjo <laughs> which I normally play claw hammer style I play five string banjo and I also play the tenor banjo which is um, tuned in fifths like a like a mandola or a viola okay I, I don't know Quite a lot confusing. about banjos <laughs> 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 I have I have um, played a little on a five string banjo once and it was it was an amazing instrument very big. When you're used to a ukulele. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly everything's a long way away. That left hand yes, really has to stretch right. out. Yeah. I played that before the ukulele. So, you know, oh, the, uke, okay. the uke is small, yeah, yeah. the banjo isn't big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So you basically play all the things with strings. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. So you mentioned that you write music as well. Yes, Yes, I, I, I started off as a sort of your typical acoustic guitar-wielding singer-songwriter around the, the London clubs. Um, and really, at the time, I don't think I was uh, a very good songwriter at all, but I was doing something that wasn't turning up at a pub and playing covers. So you get quite a lot of gigs when you're doing something that's a bit different. Um, and at the time, it was when all of the unplugged albums were coming out. 
that whole series of MTV unplugged that things were happening. So everyone was booking acoustic acts. So it was it was quite nice to be able to um, just turn up with an acoustic guitar and do a gig. Um, yeah, but it was um, it wasn't really what I I listened to at home. At home, I was still very much into the to the the jazz and blues and things like that. And it took a long time before I felt confident enough to do that myself. And now I've started writing songs more recently in the last couple of years, but they are all in that style. So hopefully they all pass unnoticed in a set. <laughs> and it means everything matches. As, as just old songs that they didn't know. Yes, yes. that's right. So where did, this, where did that love of jazz and blues start? Is it something that you, um, your family played or did you just find it on your own? Well, my mum plays guitar. And uh, so she had a, a, an interesting um, record collection and uh, would occasionally go out to see concerts with her friends. Um, and I, I saw some early concerts where I was getting old enough to be interested and she would say, well, look, why don't you come along and see them? And at the time, it didn't seem particularly cool, but it was bands like uh, Fairport Convention, who a uh, fantastic band, and I followed them and the various members since. But it just sort of put me in a room with live musicians which is quite a, a you know that that's a that has an effect on you um, because that that folk scene was quite healthy at the time in the late 80s I very quickly went from that to playing in folk clubs and seeing lots of other acts that were playing in folk clubs and getting to to experience all of that so it was very much folk but the English folk scene was either traditional English music so you would hear the people with concertinas and things like that playing um, English folk songs and, and British Isles folk songs let's say but there was always somebody who'd be playing American folk songs or there'd be a guest artist from America who was playing blues and I remember seeing people like Stefan Grossman playing um, fingerstyle guitar playing Blind Blake tunes and thinking wow this is this is more like it this is what I like and I just then went bought lots and lots of records and uh, again immersed myself in that and that stayed with me for the rest of my life really and so you you do a lot of performing i'm just looking at your your website you seem to well i guess ignoring this year for the moment (laughs) you appear to travel around and go to all kinds of places to do performances are you doing that on your own or do you still have play in with bands as well um, at the moment, it's all on my own. Um, I, when I first started gigging with the Uke, I went out as a duo with a friend of mine. And Well, he wasn't a friend at the time. We found each other through the ukulele. Intending to form a larger group, I could only find one other ukulele player at the time. Uh, it was just before it really took off. And we were both ex of playing in pub bands and things like that so we did the same thing but we did it with two ukuleles so we essentially had a two ukulele rock band <laughs> that sounds uh, and perfect. we toured it for about six years yeah it, it was great all the things we used to do when we had hair and we were young <laughs> we could do again but we just did it ironically yes. <laughs> um, and so we treated it like we had ukuleles but we you know we'd have the foot on the monitor and the windmill and we'd do acdc and motorhead and things like oh, that that's awesome. um, we toured that solidly for six years Uh, and that's when for both of us we were introduced to the idea of being a musician full-time that took over and became what we did for a living Um, when we decided to stop doing that mainly because everybody else suddenly started playing you know cover songs on the ukulele and it stopped being a unique thing so we decided to retire that um 
but we got back together and um the guy I played with Ian he's also a great guitarist and we went out with him playing guitar and we did lots of old blues and jazz stuff for a while he's not too well these days so he doesn't tend to go out and gig as much but uh there's always a spare chair if he wants to come and join me but no the rest of the time I just travel on my own which is great I just pick up my uke um jump in the car or jump on a plane and uh, as you say I've been to the states and France Germany Finland and uh, over to Ireland and this year I was supposed to be going to even more places but as you say this year so far um I've had three gigs yeah but I have a gig next weekend. Oh, wow. I actually have a real life gig at the weekend, Yay. which I can't even, I'm not sure I remember how to do it. <laughs> it is a bit tricky. A bit worried. Yes. It is a bit tricky. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I saw also that um, you have released a whole lot of CDs. Yeah. And you've had a, a um, number two single. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> well, that was the banjo again. That was oh, the five-string okay. banjo. Weirdly, when I, when I left my job... Um, Initially, to look after my my daughter, I left my day job to stay at home and look after her when she was born. Um, My leaving present from work was a five-string banjo, believe it or not. Oh, wow. That's a good leaving present. It's great. And the the guy who masterminded it after they'd had the collection said, just trust me, I know what to get him. And he he went and got me that. Literally, a couple of weeks later, I had a call from a friend uh, who ran a, a website for unsigned musicians, just a promotions website, saying... This guy's got in touch with me. He needs a band for a project and I've got the whole band in place, but I need a fiddle and a banjo. And you're a folky kind of guy. Do you know any fiddle and banjo players? And I went, I'll do it. (laughs) Of course, I was I had no idea what I was for the second time. I had no idea what I was doing, but I said yes anyway. (laughs) And I went to a little studio in South London in a a railway arch with my banjo and, and played this very small part on a on a song. It was kind of the iconic riff, but very simple and very, very easy for me to just grab hold of and do. And got paid and thought, wow, this is wonderful, a paid session. And then, of course, the record got signed and the guy wanted to keep the same band. So I had to go and do it again in another studio. And we did ah. the whole whirlwind thing. And it ended up getting to number two in the charts. And we played it being pop stars for a month. Um, <laughs> I still occasionally get a check. Yeah, still occasionally oh. get a check for twenty-seven p or something like that. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. Actually, going back to the the, to the dreaded twenty twenty. So this year, obviously, yes, as you said, only three gigs. Um, have you still managed to um, you know be a a musician this year? Yeah, yeah, I've been really fortunate. Yeah, I mean, there's two things that have kept me going. One is I am completely unqualified to do anything else there is nothing else i can do uh, but uh, yeah, i yeah i teach and i was already teaching on zoom so okay. I, I already had a whole bunch of students that i didn't have to see face to face um fortunately as well i have written a few books so i've got a handful of different books released for for the ukulele and they still sell well and i can just take the orders online and i also have a, a, a patreon page so i've I set that up a couple of years ago where people subscribe for weekly video lessons. And because I've been building that up, when this all happened, I was in the fairly enviable position of having a a small but regular income from all of those things. So the income's gone down considerably, but it's still there and it's still keeping the wolf from the door. So fingers crossed we can keep going. Yeah, helps with the basics. 
yeah. yeah. And that's really good, man. Well, actually, one thing, one, I also have a Patreon page, but I did actually tell my listeners, don't don't give me the money. I actually have a day job. Um, <laughs> so I actually stopped telling, asking people to subscribe. Although my, my Patreon supporters, I love you. Please don't go away. Um, <laughs> but I, I kind of felt just that little bit, um, you know, there were so many other people who were, who who don't have a, a day job to keep them going, where it was really, really important to have that kind of income when you're not being yeah. able to go out and, and do gigs or do teaching face-to-face. I think that's the difficult thing now as well, is that all musicians are all trying to do it now, when we have to. So suddenly the people out there who want to subscribe to somebody for lessons or want to tutor or something like that are faced now with almost everybody because everyone's setting up a Patreon and everyone's... Because otherwise... How are they going to keep the money coming in? So it's a great time if you're learning because you're absolutely spoiled for choice. There are so many great people out yes. there who have had to turn their hand to to other ways of working. So it's it's fantastic from that point of view. And I did hear that during COVID, especially, you know, the, the real lockdown phase when, when it first started, there were a lot of ukuleles sold because I guess it's a kind of instrument that you can, you know, you can order it online, you can play it at home, it's not too hard to learn. Did you did you find any kind of bump up in the number of people buying books or wanting, wanting lessons? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was also pushing my, my YouTube channel at the time because desperately trying to reach YouTube's thresholds to try and be oh, able to earn a few pence. And I, very I've, high, I've, I've done it. I've managed to do Yay, it. But it's taken well daily videos to get there for the last six months. But I have noticed that because I'm sharing those videos with people, suddenly a whole load of people are coming to the channel because there's beginner material on there. And I'm having lots of people getting in touch who are saying, I've just started. Do you have uh, a video lesson that will show me just how to pick the thing up and hold it and tune it? And so I started putting out a lot more stuff aimed at absolute beginners. And those are the videos that are getting an awful lot of views compared to the other ones. And certainly on Facebook, there are dozens of new groups for beginner ukulele players starting up. Um, Several friends of mine run shops in the UK and they're reporting incredibly healthy sales over here. Um, Even though the shops are all closed, people are ordering online and uh, and sales are good. So it's, it's one of those things. I've done interviews about the ukulele for about 17 years now. And every single time they've said, oh, but the bubble will burst at some point. You know, it'll be a bit of a phase and then it'll go. And I've just seen it go completely sky high. It's never, yeah. never seemed to stop. Well, I think you know, they call it the third wave of ukulele. I think this time, though, we seem to be people have actually been treating it as a real instrument instead of a novelty. And I think that's the reason that it is going to stick around. It's really becoming embedded in, in mainstream music now. It is. I see it a lot at, um, at festivals. So um, I play blues festivals, jazz festivals, folk festivals, as well as ones in the ukulele world. And it used to be I might get the gig because, hey, that's the ukulele guy and it's a bit of a novelty. Whereas now I will definitely not be the only ukulele player there. I won't be the only ukulele player performing on stage. So some big name acts will pick up a uke, even if it's only for three or four songs. And the audiences now just accept that. So when I get on stage with the ukulele, nobody looks at me and goes, oh, my goodness, is he going to do George Formby? Is he going to do Tiptoe Through the Tulips? Is, you know, they just go, it's an instrument. Let's, let's get on with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So speaking of playing ukulele, do you have something to play for me today? Yes, I'll, uh, I'll grab my uke. I have to put my little picks on. Ah. Put these on. These are my secret weapon. The little fingernaily pick things. Yeah, these are my these are banjo picks. 
Um, well, you, you can call them ukulele picks because you're playing a ukulele. That's it, yeah. <laughs> so show me your ukulele too. So you've got a resonator. I have. This is a, a Beltona resonator made of fiberglass. And ah. uh, these are made in uh, Leeds, so not that far from me. Um, and I don't use pickups and I don't plug anything in when I perform. I just have a, a microphone. Okay. Is there a reason for that? I think I just think that the sound is nicer. I like I don't really like the sort of electronic sounds because I play music from an era that was pre electronics. Yeah, it sounds a little true. bit better to me to have it properly acoustic. Plus of course I play so many instruments on stage. If I tried to put pickups in all of them I'd be bankrupt. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I've <true>. got different <laughs> ukuleles, different banjos and things. And these things are loud and and uh so I'm watching my meters over here to make sure I don't overload but um there we go. There we go. So I'm going to, I'll do a song called, um, this is called We're Both Feeling Good Right Now. And uh, this is a, a Mississippi Shakes tune from, uh, I think about 1929, this one was. So here we go. tell your friends a man's life is more than kin let me tell you what happened to me when I was down in old Tennessee I spent half of my life without ever loving no wife then I found a girl to be mine now this life I'm living's just fine I'm feeling good You say we're feeling good We're both are feeling good right now I'm feeling good Yeah, you're feeling good Can't stop this feeling no how When I first met you, babe I thought that you wouldn't do But since I'm loving you, baby There's been no one but you yeah, I'm feeling good You say you're feeling good We're both are feeling good right now I tell you baby Both are feeling good right now Both are feeling good right now I tell you honey 
both are feeling good right now. Nice. Really nice. So I just love watching you do that, that finger picking with your little um, pick on your finger things, the banjo picks. Yeah. So is that, that's, uh, I guess, a, a technique in itself, isn't it, as opposed to just using a, your fingers on its own? Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I've always been a nail biter, so I've got no fingernails to play ah. with. So everything was bare <laughs> fingers. And that tends to be a bit quiet. And also on a resonator, you've got to get enough energy into the cone inside here to make it start working. Otherwise, they actually sound really quiet. Then they hit this magic point where you get enough of the string moving and the comb moving for it to sort of spring into life. I I took the the pick technique from two players, uh, Bob Brosman and Del Rey. Um, And Del Rey is a fabulous fingerstyle ukulele and, and guitar player. And she plays resonator instruments, she plays with picks, uh, and I, I took most of my inspiration from, from her playing. And in fact, that song is one I learnt from her. Ah. Uh, but thanks to the, the wonderful world of the ukulele, you see these people, you buy their records, and then you meet them at festivals. And I got to meet both Del Rey and, and Bob when he was still with us at festivals and jam with them and, uh, you know, steal ideas from them and things like that. <laughs> it's, it's, that's what the ukulele is all about, really. It's that... Um, it's a great leveller. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I love festivals for that reason as well. And of course, I always get to go and interview people there, which is which is great fun because you get to have a, a longer chat than <laughs> many people would. <laughs> absolutely. So you've got that resonator ukulele. Is do you have others? I do. Yes, um, I have uh, this one. I have a, a national resophonic, which is a, a metal-bodied one. Um, which is uh, sitting behind me there. Uh, I also have a little one that was made for me by a friend in Sweden, which is a little soprano. This is a concert, so is my national. A little soprano one uh, made by my friend Sven on his kitchen table in Sweden. Oh, nice. Um, and that's, a, that's an argapa, which is Swedish for angry ape, angry monkey. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's a good name for it. Um, but I, t- I have three resonator ukes, and to be honest, they all get taken out to gigs. Most gigs I play resonators most of the time but um i also have uh, a wooden uke although exciting stuff there's a there's a phil dolman signature model soprano ukulele oh. coming out in the next few months wow that's exciting how did that come about well i've worked with a, a guy called matt who runs a, a shop called world of ukes up in carlisle uh, right towards the scottish border and for years he's been trying to figure out how we could do a uh, a signature model uke through the shop with a, a various manufacturers and he just started working with another company called Miller Ukuleles and um, they've been producing some really nice instruments so he got in touch and said I think we found the company and with a few emails and different requirements and things back and forth and hopefully in the next week or so I should have my hands on one of the two prototypes. Wow that is exciting. Yeah with my name on the label which is yeah very cool. Um and I, f- I find the wooden uke for me is much more of a rhythm instrument, um, partly because I don't play amplified. I can't do what a lot of wo- you know wooden uke players do, which is have a pickup, put it through a big PA and turn up the volume and then play fairly quietly. So for me, that's um, th- I, actually the ukulele. Most of the time I see it as a as a backing band. 
um, it's the rhythm section. So even though I'm picking on that, a lot of my picking is fairly rhythmic rather than necessarily playing melodies. It's providing a supporting rhythm behind it uh, because most of the time I'm singing a song. So I need I need to be backed up. Yeah. And that's what that's what the ute does for me, really. Yeah. So you've also got your um, books that you sell. When did you decide to, to actually, because these are, I actually saw one, the friend who I mentioned um, suggested you for the interview. She said, look, I've got one of his books. And it, it's a, oh, it's brilliant. a yes, it's a proper glossy, nice looking book. So when did you decide to start doing the publishing? So that was almost exactly four years ago. Um, I do a lot of workshops at festivals and also I go around, travel around and visit clubs and run workshops for them. And I, my thing has become teaching the nuts and bolts of how music functions. So I disguise it as learning this song or learning this style or whatever. But I'll always try and explain what's going on. Because I think if, you, if I can teach people that that three chord song that you're playing there and that three chord song in a different key at a different tempo are actually the same song. And then people start to understand how they can put together a relatively small number of the same patterns and mix them up and build new songs. And people were asking me about this thing. Is there a music theory book that doesn't involve me having to learn to read music or learn to play the piano? Because everything seems quite old fashioned and, and piano and written music based. And I said, no. And they said, well, you should write it. We'd buy it. Um, and that summer I'd done my sort of last festival I had about five or six weeks of um, certainly in the UK the festival season is pre-summer and then when it gets to about August everything drops off because no one wants to run an event when people have gone off on their summer holidays ah yeah and once the kids break up for school that's when all the families go away and your audience disappears so the summer itself can be quite um, quiet and I spent the summer writing um, how Music Works on the Ukulele, which is about, uh, it's an A4 wire-bound book and it's uh, about 60-something pages long. And um, I had it printed um, by a company. They delivered 100 copies to me. And at the time, I was struggling. And, um, you know, not so many gigs have been coming in and I was a bit low on money. And I basically maxed out my credit card getting that first 100 thinking if I can sell a few I'll make the money back and then the rest I can take to festivals and sell um, and I sat down and all I did was sell it myself um, so the only places you can buy it are from me or from the shop I just mentioned World of Ukes they have stock of it as well they've been really helpful getting it out there but at the time it was just me selling it and I put a thing on Facebook going hey I've done this book and I sat down with my wife and my phone just went bing, 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 bing. And I'd sold 200 <gasps> wow. in an hour and a half. <laughs> and I only had 100. <laughs> so next morning, straight back onto the printer. More, send me more. Um, and that particular one, I've sold 1,600 copies oh, of. Oh, that's amazing. Now. So good. Uh, and over four years. And I wrote a follow-up to it. So that was how music works. I wrote how songs worked just before lockdown. Thank goodness. So all of them arrived. And then a week later, everything was cancelled. But mm. I still had... A few hundred books to sell, yeah. and I've done some others. So I've done some e-books um, that people can get from my website uh, on blues ukulele and ragtime ukulele, um, and a little one on alternative tunings. And uh, they've really kept me going because they're the sort of things that, when we do have gigs or festivals, I, they sit on the merch table. And uh, ukulele players really like to do 
rather than be passive. Yes. So if you can do something where they can play with you or you can do something where they can learn something much more interesting to them because it's it's an instrument of being involved and taking part. And the books have been great for that. Yeah. Yeah, ukulele players, they don't just sit back and listen, do they? <laughs> no, no, they want to join in. <laughs> do you have another song for me? I'd love another one. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll do one of mine. So um, last, or oh, probably 18 months ago, I put out an album of all original songs with the idea that, that no one should really be worried about them being original songs. They should all sound very much like the songs that were on my previous CD, which were all genuine old songs. Um, and I was getting quite into, um, more and more into jug band music at the time. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, bands like the Mississippi Shakes, the Memphis Jug Band, Gus Cannon, people like that. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll write one in that kind of style. And it's um, about drinking too much coffee. <laughs> Something we can all relate to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Here we go. Says it tastes divine Says she needs a little Pick me up from time to time Well, if you keep drinking that coffee You'll never get no sleep tonight Well, if you keep drinking that coffee You'll be up till the morning light She don't take no milk She don't take no sugar Soon as she is finished well, she goes and pours another Well, if you keep drinking that coffee You'll never get no sleep tonight Well, if you keep drinking that coffee You'll be up till the morning light She roasts all of her own beans She grinds them too If she could grow a coffee tree I surely think that she would do Well, if you keep drinking that coffee you never get no sleep tonight Well, if you keep drinking that coffee You'll be up till the morning light If she was in the hospital I'd take a percolator Plug it right into her drip So I could caffeinate her Well, if you keep drinking that coffee You'll never get no sleep tonight Well, if you keep drinking that coffee You'll be up till the morning light I say if you keep drinking that coffee You'll never get no sleep tonight Well if you keep drinking that coffee You'll be up till the morning light <laughs> Nice! <laughs> Thank you That was a great song and very relatable as well <laughs> But okay. I, I see what you mean. It really does sound like one of those old songs. I mean, yeah, if you'd told me that it was written in the 20s, I would believe you. It's got oh, that, all you. that same That's feel. A great to compliment. Yeah, it's great. Great fun song. I love yeah. it. The more I, I teach about this kind of stuff as well, you start to realise the, the formula. You start to realise the... Well, formula makes it sound like you're cheating. It's more like the, the, the language of the time, the musical language of that era. They tended to play particular chord patterns they tended to have particular ways of playing songs um i teach a whole workshop on jug band music and i teach a master jug band pattern and then several other songs that steal bits of that pattern and then i say to people 
Right, now go away, because you now know how a jug band song works. So go away and write a jug band song. And lots of people have got back in touch with me. In fact, that was the start of this album. I thought I should write one as well to demonstrate how it works. And I recorded it, and that became the first song of, of this album. Oh, OK. Nice. And mine was about whiskey, because, you know, when I'm not drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah. And also a distillery opened up down the road. Oh, Perfect. Which was wonderful. So uh, <laughs> on YouTube, they let me in. They let, they gave me the tour and let me in to make a video in there. So there is a, oh, nice. a music video on YouTube of me messing around in a real distillery, which I'm was great have fun. To look that one up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. All right. Well, I think it's time for my question. This is my last one, which is how has ukulele changed your life? Well, I mean, hugely, absolutely hugely, because um, first of all, I was a, a musician who, like every musician when you were a teenager, wanted to make music their living. Because all of the people that you admire are all touring and appear and making records and you think, that's what I want to do. Um, and I got to an age where I thought that probably wasn't going to happen. I'd had my little flirtation with the charts and it was fun, but I knew it was going to be like a month of playing around and then it had all disappeared. Uh, and then when I got into the ukulele and I started to meet more people and get more opportunities to, to play and I started the duo, I was so lucky. I surfed that third wave because as that third wave came along, more people started playing, but we'd already been gigging and we'd already got videos out there and, and records, you know, that we'd released. Then people said, hey, wouldn't it be good to have a little get together or a small festival, which became a big festival? Who were they going to book? There weren't that many people who they could reliably say, we know those guys can do it on stage. Let's book them. The next thing you know, there's things like the Ukulele Festival of Great Britain, which went for 10 years, which was huge. They had some massive names. The Grand Northern Ukulele Festival in Huddersfield, which is still going strong. And lots of other smaller festivals. Scotland has a great festival. World of Ukes, again, runs several festivals. There are now dozens of them. And I think I've played all of them. Um, because I was just ahead of the curve enough to be someone that people recognised. And it meant that I actually got to be a full-time musician at a point where I'd pretty much given up on that dream. And the other thing is, all of my friends are all people that I know thanks to the ukulele. So it, that's been the really sad thing this year for me, is that because most people's friends are people they know who live around them or work with them, well, all of my friends are people that I work with, but they are in America and Australia, New Zealand, all over Europe. And even if they're in England, they're in up, up north or down south and we don't get to see each other, um, which has been really hard this year because we would, even if we saw each other three or four times a year, we'd reliably be able to catch up at all these different events and, and you know, have a nice little time to socialise. But yeah, it's given me a whole fantastic social circle of people it's given me my livelihood um and at the same time i absolutely love it still so you can't ask for more than that you can't <laughs> oh phil it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today thank you so much likewise and i'll put all the links to all of your various youtube and patreon what have you in the show notes so people can find you thank you okay Thanks very much. That's great stuff. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye bye.
Ukulele is the New Black is produced by me, Meredith Harper. I wrote the theme tune and I performed it with Jasmine Fellows, Jeff Skellums, Jim Croft, Paul Marsh, Chris Williams and Sandra Shaw. Seb Carrero does the graphic design. You can find out more about Phil on his website, phildolman.co.uk. Check out his learning resources at learntheukulele.co.uk. Look up Phil Dolman on YouTube. And of course, become a patron at patreon.com slash phildolman. If you want more information about any of the things mentioned in today's episode, there are links in the show notes as well as a playlist with songs relating to today's episode on the Ukulele is the New Black YouTube channel. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and tell your friends. This is my last episode for 2020. It's been quite a year, and I'm due for a break. I'll be releasing some bonus episodes in early 2021, including a Best of 2020 episode, which will hopefully be out in early January. I'll be kicking off Season 4 sometime in March. In the meantime, keep safe and I look forward to bringing you chats with more great ukulele players in 2021. Cat. She's just been going around behind all my monitors. <laughs> now she's stuck up on the bookshelf. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> actually, I, I don't know if you can see this. Oh, no, you probably can't. Oh, I've got. Yeah, she's kind of squished in there. Oh no, I just saw a little bit. Yeah, so next see, to just, a pile yeah. of Harry Potter books. Oh, I don't know. She's just crazy, that creature. Um, oh gosh. Because <laughs> it's the new black.